<clears throat> Hi everyone, welcome to the Great Investments webinar. I think it's the first one I've done in six months. I apologize, it's been really busy. And busy with clients uh, has been the principal reason. So let me know, you can see and hear me. Uh, I'm also going to just update the number of attendees we have got. Sanjay, Bob, Eric, Narendra, James, Robert, Daryl, Richard, Peter. I can't speak to everyone, but uh, we've got a couple of hundred at the moment. I expect that number will arise. So let me know where you're from. And we're going to start straight away with the presentation. And I've just done a whole bunch of slides. I've got quite a lot. You might want to get your cell phone, a comfy chair, some water to take some images as well with your cell phone. Uh, obviously, don't take it with your glass of water because that will create just a complete mess. Uh, <clears throat> right. So let me know where you're from. And I'm going to share the screen because we have got a ton of information to get through, including what's in my portfolio, what's in my son's portfolio, what Goldman Sachs like, what I think is good from what they've said they like and what I don't think so good. Uh, from what they've said they like. Give me one second while I share that. Great. That should be the screen. Now, first things first, who is this webinar for? It is for pensioners, 20-somethings. Uh, it is for people who don't want to miss out, disappointed with their financial advisor. Uh, all of those groups, they fit into all of that. Uh, as well, we've got Paresh on the line. Um, so Paresh, you should be able to, he's going to co-host with me. Uh, let's make sure your microphone's on, Paresh. You want to say anything? It's also for people. Can you all hear me? We can, yeah, they can all hear you. Uh, cause I can. People also, this webinar is also for people who are fed up with funds which claim to provide growth, but don't. Financial advisors who, given that the NASDAQ is up 45% this year, the S&P up 18%, have delivered you nothing. Okay, and this annoys me. And IFAs who keep charging and shoving you into low, medium or high risk, ones you don't ever get to speak to or connect with, let alone the fund managers who are picking the stocks uh, as well. So it's for everybody who's just fed up with all of this and those who feel like they're missing out on all this growth. I'm just going to switch glasses there because these ones are hurting my eyes. That's better. Okay, and even if you're a total beginner. And the beauty with this is because we're going to have Q&A, you're going to keep an eye on the comments for me, I think. I am, yeah. Thank you. And we're also going to discuss things. So just to introduce Parrish, he's been co-author of several of my books with me. He was a floor trader on life, uh, the Financial Futures Exchange. So he used to do all those wiggly sort of things. But we're talking investments today. And in my program, you know, I run everything past him when we're developing a lot of the AI stuff. Uh, I've made him addicted to AI like me. So we're going to talk about this and how we go through uh, <clears throat> stock selections and data and data mining. Uh, we speak at least twice a day for about an hour. I speak more to him than he does to his wife. So we're really up to speed on all the markets. So given that those are all the issues that we're going to deal with that you can see on screen, and we're going to do a Q&A as well, let's just get some of the housekeeping out of the way. That book, <clears throat> the Financial Times, is still waiting for me to finish, I'm afraid. Uh, so I'm hoping that's going to be out. Um, I'm good at forecasting share prices, but not so good at forecasting when I'm going to submit my manuscript to my editor. Uh, first things first, please uh, be aware that this is not individual financial advice because I don't know you individually. And therefore, it would be against the law for you to assume, well, for me, to make you assume that I'm giving you individual advice because it can't be individual. I don't know who I'm speaking to. <clears throat> I only know your names and I don't know enough about you. Also, I've got no conflict of interest with you. I'm not trying to sell you a fund. I don't have a retail fund. 
So I can't sell you one anyway. We only have institutional funds for institutions. So sorry, I don't run a brokerage. So we're not trying to sell you a brokerage account either. All right. Uh, what I want you to be is well-educated and well-informed. I have a campaign called campaignforamillion.com, which I'm going to post. I was at number 10 at Downing Street. I met the prime minister uh, about two weeks ago. And I'm going to make a little, I think I've already posted that on TikTok. Uh, and I was able there to talk to a lot of people because it's all I ever talk about. The campaign for a million to educate a million people. Uh, on finance, on investing, so that across their lifetimes, they can have a million more in their portfolios and their pensions across their lifetimes. You can imagine that makes number 10 and the Treasury incredibly happy uh, for a variety of reasons. This is the agenda for today. Okay, you can see the agenda. Have a look at it. So you know all of these things we're going to cover. Hi, Themis. Hello, my friend, Peter, KP, uh, as well. Uh, Barry from Pinner. And we've got Dublin covered. We've got Chipping Camden, Luton. Got to have Luton covered as well. Finland, San Diego, Dennis, Virginia. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Okay. And the sexiest place of all, which has been mentioned this evening, we've got somebody from Birmingham. And Neil, of course, from Leeds, which is probably the best place that's been mentioned today. So that's what we're going to cover. So let's get on with where we are and where the money is. Now, we know there's money to be made. And we know more money can be made when there's a market tailwind. No credit to Alpesh Patel or Parish Kiri or anything. Mm-hmm. When there's a tailwind, as you can see on screen, and the Nasdaq is up 45%, obviously, I'm going to look a genius because there's a tailwind. All right. And if equally there was a headwind, we would not look so clever. The S&P is up 18%. Just so you know, the UK markets are only up 7%. Now, this is typical in the sense that the UK lagging the US markets. It's not typical in that you don't get 45% years every single year. Having said that, 2021 and 2023, I did not expect them to do so well. So my pension has been, or my son's junior ISA um, has been doing ridiculously well, as well as my pension. That is unusual. I did not expect that. Okay, and if anybody says to you, oh, but you didn't foresee the 45% rise in the NASDAQ this year. No, I didn't. I did not expect to be that good because... It's rarely that good. So when we get that tailwind, we can benefit from it because the kind of stocks we have are the ones which should go up more when the markets rise. And were the markets to have fallen, they're the kind of stocks that should be resilient. So we're going to go through in the agenda everything from how do you pick stocks, how long should you hold them, how many should you have, how many funds should you have, how much should you have in cash based on your risk profile, and how do you decide when also to get rid of them? Because that's all you need to know. What do you do with cash? What do you do with your portfolio? Okay, so we're going to break all that down into a simple process so you don't have to be in front of your computers 24-7 unless you're a geek like me or Paresh, right? So Paresh, do you want to come in with anything at that stage, at this stage, before I move on to this slide? Uh, no, at this stage, I think uh, there will be moments where yeah. uh, where I will jump in for sure. No, fair enough, absolutely. This, sorry, I will come in with one thing before you do crack on. Yeah. Well, Quite rightly, as you mentioned, I was a floor trader on life. I just want to mention that on life, I made a good income trading, but most of the wealth came from stock investing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the irony that trading has the potential to give you a lot more, but it's a lot more hard work. Investing can give you more than enough. And of course, it's a lot easier. Yep. And that's the beauty of actually having a plan. And, and this is one thing that over the last two weeks, particularly, 
uh, it's important you understand what the trade plan is. And I will be at a live trading event on uh, Friday to discuss this particular issue. Anyway. Oh, we must talk about, talk about that later. And okay. if you've got the URL, you should probably share that as well at some point with the uh, attendees. Actually, yeah, um, find so that they one. know about your fi- Friday event. Now, the reason I'm showing you these top 10 and these over the last month um, is not because they're recommendations. Uh, it, it's because it just, it's to show you just in just a month what's out there. Now, we're not going to trade our investments. We're not going to go chasing momentum, but we know there is ridiculous numbers and, if, and to be honest if my pension went up by any of these numbers in a month i'd be over the moon i don't think it's ever gone up this much in a month obviously because you know that'd be nuts but even if it did it in a year i'd be i'd be happy i'd be happy somebody said to me 22 percent even in a year so given what they can do in a month um so where does that take us though we see this happening we have this fear of missing out with it oh my god i know these things are going on what do i do where do i go i just seem to be missing it and that's the other thing we're going to have a really good sensible process so getting into all of this, let's just talk about the market as part of the, the first part of the agenda. And I'm going to zoom in. And that's the S&P 500. All right, so where we are at the moment. And what I can tell you about the S&P 500 right now is we were in a downward trend. We've now broken out to the upside. Now, those of you who follow me on Telegram and YouTube and TikTok will know I do on Wednesdays and Fridays a broadcast on this. So this will be familiar with you. So more importantly, where do I see this going? And I'm surprised that breakout happened so quickly. Okay. Uh, and normally you get a bit of a pullback when you've had a breakout. You get a bit of a pullback back down, uh, in the market. And I'm going to try and draw that on here as well. Once you've had something go out, you tend to get it go back before it moves up. And I say this because breakout, pullback, then move up. Okay. So don't be depressed if this pulls back and you think, Oh my God, I got in and then Oh, and then you think, oh, it's gone the wrong way. In actual fact, and I love looking at the weekly and monthly MACD, not the way they do in the textbook, slightly differently. And this, as long as it's going in that direction and it's above its own signal line, which is this, I can explain MACD later uh, uh, as well, then that's fairly positive. And that's the monthly one that you see here that I've circled, okay? Uh, the dotted one, the dotted line. And that's fairly, bottom line, that's fairly positive. With the FTSE 100, however, I'm somewhat pessimistic. Now, this is unfortunate because most people in their pension sips and ices will tend to have domestic funds. I don't know why they do that. They just do that. They they say, oh, well, I, I don't know, maybe they're just racist. I only want British companies and I don't want British-focused fund managers. I don't know what it is. Uh, given that 45% on the NASDAQ versus seven on the UK markets in a year, well, which would you prefer? I don't know. Um, and I think actually the reason is they're not racist. It's because, uh, or Brexit voters, they are, there is an overlap, but <laughs> it's usually because they don't know. Or somebody has said to them, oh, currency risk. Really? You think there's a 45% currency risk? Really? So it's just ignorance. And we're going to remove that ignorance so you can make more money for your pension, your SIP, your ISA, your junior ISA. Now, Apple happens to be a company I own. And if you put a gun to my head, I would buy more of today. Okay. And I just want to show this because it resembles the S&P 500. Of course it does, because it's a major blooming component of it. Oh, by the way, this tells you what the major banks own. Now, with this, we've got a flattening and it's likely to go high. I am comfortable with that. I'm comfortable owning this one. I'm comfortable owning... Alphabet. Okay. And you might say, well, wait a minute. You've not told me the fundamentals yet. I'll come to the fundamentals. I'm not just going to look at charts. And how long are you going to hold it for? And what, how many other stocks are you going to have? Are you only going to own this? 
I will answer all of those questions. I'm just giving you a market overview of what's out there, uh, just as a sort of clincher in the initial parts of the webinar. Okay. And by the way, I just did a poll and the, well, 43% of you think the FTSE will be higher by the end of the year. And the rest of you either don't know or say, no, it won't be. Isn't that interesting? The majority of you don't know or say it won't be higher by the end of the year. Let's see what you think about the Dow by the end of the year as well in a pulse. That's Alphabet. Microsoft is, and my wife sometimes says this, they they pay you the big money. She doesn't say big money because I try not to tell her. Um, she goes, they pay you money to come up with Microsoft. And you've seen the scene in Billions where I think somebody around the table goes, well, Apple, and he gets it his arm ripped off because he goes, you think they pay us to come up with bloody Apple? Well, that's the problem. I don't care where the returns are made. I don't care whether they're made by something which other people buy. By the way, Warren Buffett's money is 50% of it is in Apple. or 50% of his total money is in Apple. So he doesn't care either if it's simple and obvious. So Microsoft, this is where we are. All right. And again, similarly, I think we've got some way to go where we've done this same dance before. And when we did it before, this is what happened to the price. And I'm pretty happy with that at the moment. And I would I say this to you, Parish, every year. And I think I said it in January as well. I said, you know what? At the end of the year, I'm going to regret not having two times leverage Microsoft whether through an ETF or a spread bet or just owning the stock and, and, you know, just having all my money in just one company. And yet again this year, I regret it because uh, it's almost gone up 100% and I would have doubled my money, yeah. okay? And I said to my wife, look, I think we should just put everything in Microsoft. I think we should actually auction your mother, sweetheart, and, and, and put her on Microsoft, whatever proceeds we get. But you know what happens? You don't do that. Why don't you do that? Well, because if you only put it in one thing and that's the one year that Putin decides to nuke the world, then you've lost everything. So people tend not to do that. But yeah, I know. I I, I can tell you right now, you can take date stamp it. I'm going to regret not having absolutely everything in this. And we'll speak to each other next year and in two years time. But that's where we are with that one. And Amazon, similarly. And by the way, my son's junior ISA and my wife's ISA have these. I'll tell you which other stocks we have as well in a second. And then we'll talk about for how long and what are the stocks and so on. And how do you select these? And by the way, um, that's what the average analysts think is the return. Uh, so that's the current price. That's the average of what the analysts think. And the most optimistic analyst thinks of that. I should say, whilst you're here, uh, please don't forget to uh, go to... Uh, this, my LinkedIn, do follow me and Paresh Kiri on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, and the reason is because you'll get extra materials and information there as well. Uh, and that's critical in the modern age of tech and all the rest of it. So I'm going to give you, so you can do that on the side whilst you're here, where to go for that, uh, because you will get more up-to-date stuff on there all the time as well. Now, Disney is more a special situation for me. And for ages, I've been saying, no, 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 I don't want to get in, uh, uh, even though I know this is what it's done in the past and it's gone up uh, triple when it's at these low levels. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to triple, but I think in one year, six months, or within one year, six months, we're looking at about a 40, 40% plus return, which isn't bad, is it? Okay, as things stand from current levels at the time of speaking. In actual fact, uh, I, I wish we could have spoken just a little bit earlier because then it would have been at sub 90. But anyway, that's where we are. Now, that special situation, what I mean by that is it doesn't hit all our criteria, which I'll come to, but uh, I think it ticks enough of them. But if it's special situation, then it's high risk. All of this high risk, and these are not 
individual recommendations because I don't know you personally. And all investing is risky. You must know that. That's what the regulator would want me to tell you. And it is the truth. All investing is risky. This is not for widows and orphans, as they say. Okay, so that's where we are with that one. And I want to make sure I tell you um, where and what we have. Okay, now NVIDIA is an interesting one because people keep asking me, what do we do with stocks which are all-time highs and there's a lot of hype behind them and all the rest of it. Now, NVIDIA was a typical special situation. It came in in January. If you look at my Telegram and search, you'll see this is one of our January picks. Now, I didn't know in January the AI thing was why NVIDIA would go up. It's just that the numbers were great. The uh, monthly MACD was flat to rising. I was expecting it to do this. The fundamentals look good. It's not just about the charts. It's the fundamentals. It's not just about what the other banks say. I don't really care. It's not about seasonality, but it has really good up months. It was that. Now, this is leaves us with a slight problem because what do you do with a stock at an all-time high and you don't know what's going to happen? Well, and this is what you should be doing. The future is not preordained. We don't know what's going to happen. In hindsight, I can tell you exactly what you should do with NVIDIA, but hindsight's pretty bloody useless. So all you can control is your risk appetite. So you decide for yourself, not me telling you, because I don't know what the future holds, that if it drops X percent from the highest it's been since you bought it, you will sell Y percent of the stock. And X and Y... Well, X is easy because it's, you know, 10%, 15%, 25%, 30%, 40%. Y is what's determined by your risk appetite. So you might say if it drops 10%, I'll sell 100%. That means you're very risk averse. Okay. Uh, or you might say, well, if it drops 90%, I'll sell 1%, in which means you're very risk loving and probably a bit too crazy. So you've got to decide what Y is and based on your appetite. I can tell you what why is, but only in hindsight, what the right formula, you know, remember in math, we used to solve those formulas. I can only tell you what the correct solution is in hindsight. I can't tell you ahead of time. I can take a pretty good guess that personally, something like NVIDIA, if it drops about 20, 25%, I probably want to get out of it because it's possibly it could do this. And then we'll worry about getting back into it later in the year. Okay. So that's NVIDIA. Now, Tesla, we got out of, that was another special situation. It was a special situation because it was too volatile. Now, I'll tell you what, it met all our other fundamental criteria except volatility. It was too high on volatility. And we don't like too high on volatility because the academic research shows that the more volatile companies actually tend to underperform the less volatile ones. And we'll come to that in a second. So with this, we got out of it. Uh, It was around here when it broke below that support. So around here. Now, since then, it's gone back up. Right, which just goes to show, well, okay, we don't know what the future holds. But I was happy to get out of it at that point because I wanted to ease back on some of the equity holdings. We had made quite a lot of money already, and then the markets were falling. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to get rid of anything, it'll be the higher risk, uh, volatile ones rather than the more slow and steady Apple, Amazon, Alphabet ones. Um, so we're out of it, but it may well do this and continue doing really well. I'm not saying it's a bad company. I, they're going to make time machines, this company, all right, or something, and they might continue doing this, and we might have a special situation again in January. But at the moment, I'm just telling you where things are. But if you put a gun to my head, would I buy it today? Yeah, if you put a gun to my head, I probably would, in the sense that I'm not saying you put a gun saying you've got to buy it. I'm saying gun to my head and said, make a decision, buy or sell. Or, hold, or do nothing. I'd probably eat towards buy. And again, we'll look at the criteria why and how many stocks you should have. Now, Meta's a bit like NVIDIA. I'm getting a bit worried it's at all-time highs. So same uh, with this NVIDIA strategy, X and Y, which I just explained. All right, because it's getting a bit, it could do a bit of this. And that's what worries me. 
it could do this. So be warned. Look at that. That looked great. Look at that. Oh, it's looking amazing. What a great company. Before you know it, you've dropped 77%. Before you even had a chance to blink. It's like, huh? What happened to all my gains? That's why you've got to look at your portfolio. Bare minimum, I would say, every fortnight. If you look at it every two minutes, you're going to go mental. Every fortnight, bare minimum, preferably weekly, right? So that's MetaNow Service now, another one that I own, and I'd happily buy today. I think there's more space up here, all right? Now, some of you will go, no, 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 it's near all time. I don't want to do it. I don't well, keep this mantra in your mind. Actually, I should say mantra because it's, it's a Sanskrit word. Uh, keep this mantra from your guru in mind. I'm being a bit of a pundit when I say this, uh, but if in doubt, keep it out. So don't agonize over it. If you don't like it because it's near an all-time high and you think, oh, I don't care what Arbush says, fine. I don't care what RBC Capital and everybody else says, Morgan Stanley, keep it out. Let me just add something yeah, there, because when we were managing the hedge fund, one of the key points for buying, oh, you have a number of... Do you want to tell them about the fund? Yeah, we ran... Well, I, I was uh, the creator of a fund called Marble Bar Asset Management. It was an Irish domiciled fund. It was a UK-European long-short equity fund. One of the strategies we employed was that... Uh, and there were seven... Tell them assets under management, because I'm impressed. <laughs> I think um, it was some silly number, but I can't. I, it's embarrassing. It's over 200 million. But anyway, uh, it was four billion at its peak, mate. <laughs> yes, that's right. That anyway, but one of the strategies. The point is, one of the strategies employed was to buy all-time highs. One of the key things why you buy all-time highs is because there's no resistance. It, it's there's just nobody wants to sell this thing, so it's going to keep going up most likely. When you buy something at all-time lows, there's a, several people already who have probably got in a lot higher who are thinking, how do I get out of this? When do I get out of this? And they're waiting to get out at typically cost or whatever it might be according to their business plan. doesn't mean you don't buy. Um, and this is one of the reasons why what we teach on the Great Investment Program, it unites a lot of the strategies, both buying lows and highs, but you don't be afraid of any of it, basically. Yeah, and it's a it's a good point because there's no guarantee, but there's just a slight edge, and that's all there can be with the market. So if there was a guarantee, we'd just have one stock, yes. you know. And even now, I don't have a hundred percent of my money in, say, a Microsoft leveraged up to the hilt, but I probably should, like I said. So Cisco is one that we're still holding, and you can see when things don't perfectly work out, we can't see the future on everything, and that dropped off a bit of a cliff. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on it to see if it's a um, if the news on it's missing its earnings was uh, soft bad news, in which case it would go like this and then up, as it's done here, as it's done here and here, and regularly blumming well does, okay, does it all the time, has a habit of it, or whether it's hard bad news where it'll continue lower, okay? So we don't know. I don't know whether it's soft or hard uh, bad news and we'll determine that we're keeping an eye on it and so at the moment I've not panicked and exited because I quite like the whole tech chip you know uh, uh, area now Netflix I don't own 
The reason I'm showing you this, and if you put a gun to my head, I would buy it, but I can't buy everything. It's just because it's such a name that's out there and every third of it, and they had some great numbers. Mm -hmm. And this is roughly when the numbers came out, and we did a special situation uh, to my followers and said, look, great numbers. I don't own it. Don't plan to own it. It's not a reflection on the company. It's just now at the moment, that's the run rate I put 70% in 12 months. It's far ahead of that run rate. You know, in cricket where they say required run rate, if you're a geek and sometimes you're above it, well, this is well above it at the moment. So even if it did nothing, uh, until what January of the new year, it would still be on course for this 70%. And of course it could always just go like this and then up and down and up. But that's where I see it at the moment. And obviously most of the banks out there agree and this has got some upside. So I'm telling you these, but this doesn't solve the problem of how many stocks should you have and when do you know to get out? The big mistake many people make is they'll have got into a Netflix and seen it do this and then they don't know when to get out. So they lose all their money and that keeps happening. Put that in the chat box. Put your hand up if that's you. If you've done that in a stock, not necessarily Netflix or Peloton. It's gone up like this. Then it drops. I was like, oh, crap, I didn't know when to get out. Now, that's fine if you planned, let's say, like with me with PayPal saying it's a strategic holding for a very long period. I don't care that it's done this. I'm not going to get in and out, in and out. Um, but most of the time, what we're looking to do is get out and then get back in. All right. This is the flow chart that I tell my students. It's what I use personally. It's a bit like AI. It's to stop me thinking. The great thing about AI is it stops humans thinking. Now, I don't know if you've seen the video by Stephen Fry where he's in tears that AI exists because it means people won't need to think anymore. But the average person doesn't think as well as Stephen Fry. And the average person should actually outsource thinking because if you look at social media, you know why. So this, and I'm pretty much the average person. So the average person should be using a full, just a flow chart. Okay, because it stops them double thinking, getting mixed up, having 500 stocks because they forgot why they bought the first one and what the reason was. Now, what to do with my portfolio? This gives you an update on basically my risk appetite. And today's Wednesday one I've not done because I'm doing this webinar. I'll do it tonight probably or maybe tomorrow morning. Um, essentially, you're going to end up here most of the time. You're going to end up here. Basically, has it been under 12 months? If it has, you don't sell it. Or has it fallen? less than 25% from the high since you bought it. So if it's gone up 100%, but only fallen 10% off that, you don't sell it, okay? The only time you would ever break that rule, the 12-month and 25% rule, is if your risk appetite changed. Maybe you watch my broadcast and suddenly, like last February, risk appetite for everything changes. We don't take our investments. So you're not going to change your risk appetite every week. On the whole, most of your portfolio, you'll hold for the whole 12 months. And then they've all the stocks are sacked and they've got to reapply for the job. Now, imagine Microsoft was in there and Microsoft you wanted to include for a further 12 months because it met your criteria. And what are the criteria? We'll come to that in a second. Well, you're not going to sell it only to buy it back again. Obviously, it's a proverbial everybody sacked and then everybody's got to reapply for the job. But the reason everybody sacked and has to reapply for the job is because the world moves too quickly. It moves, look at how you can... In one year, you could go up 200%, and the previous year, you were down 80%. I just described Meta, not not some AIM stock. That's why you can't just say, I'll just buy and hold it forever. It doesn't matter. Because you want the stock to have gone up, 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 and up, like a fruit, ripened, fallen to the ground, and before it goes rotten, sold it. Right? So that's the 12 months, roughly. Now, you might as well, oh, for sure, 12 months, or should it be 11 months and 15 days? Have you uh, uh, tested it? No, we've not 
needed to test it because we know 12 is roughly about right. And I've got a five-year-old son I'd rather be playing with than testing the hell out of is it one day on either side. Okay. Uh, it's an art. It's not the science people think it is. That's important. Now, what about cash? Well, every time I've got cash in my pocket to invest, I think to myself, right, which of these boxes am I? Am I being risk averse? Because, and I described this on my Wednesdays and Friday broadcasts, which are free. Okay. Uh, am I risk averse? As happened in, I think, August and September of this year and happened in most of last year, in which case you just wait a month and then the next month, you think, oh, am I risk averse? Oh God, I still am. Or you might toe dip in at the moment I'm here. Sometimes, There'll be these, like Disney at the moment, special situation. I'm not sure if the volatility is above 20%, but it might be, or the occasional smaller cap, but there'll be a special situation. Most of them will be a proof filtered list. I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. Volatility under 20%, because really you do not want greater volatility for a whole bunch of statistical and academic reasons. Um, yeah, usually S&P 500, I'm quality picking, but there'll be some outside of that as well. Now, given that the Nasdaq's gone up 45% and I'm cherry picking, I would expect to do better than the index. I won't necessarily every single year, but most years I would expect to do better than that and an absolute positive return because we're picking stocks based on ticking their value, growth, income, cash flow, uh, Sortino, Alpha, and I explain all those terms in a moment. Now, that didn't happen in the financial crisis because I just didn't get into cash quick enough. I mean, it's just everything went blue. So it won't, you won't necessarily have every single year positive, but the vast, vast majority should be that way. And we'll come back to that process. I also promised you what Goldman Sachs said. Remember in one of the emails, I think I said Goldman Sachs have said these 40 stocks, uh, including one which could rise 175%. I love sharing this kind of stuff, um, largely because I think it makes for great content, actually. And somebody else has you know, come across a lot of stocks. On the whole, I don't do, and I'll tell you which ones I like. By the way, most of these, they're in way too early. And I wonder if God, I don't know why God, they're almost identical in that they're still falling. The way you were describing, Paresh, and a lot of these yeah. are, um, I'm going to show you which, I think it's about six, which I like. Um, in one second, I'll show you in the next slide. Uh, but Paresh, it's exactly what you're saying. They're like almost at all time highs, all, you know, 12 month highs and so on. Uh, but I'll come to that one in a second. What I want to do before I tell you which are the six in the next slide, I've marked them in group one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it's six actually. Uh, I'll show you what I tend to do. And I think this is incredibly important as an approach. Okay. Um, and however you do it, it's up to you, but this is the ultimate approach that I'm telling people to adopt. You should be, first of all, looking for your SIP or ICE, your children's inheritance or your old age pension. Uh, not just UK companies or companies by geography or by style like value or just growth or just income or by theme like just AI or thinking, oh, if I get a bit of everything, then surely I'm covered. Well, actually, no, you've just got 500 stocks picked through five fund managers, let's say, which St. James's Place has flogged you for a hefty fee. And the IFA has thought, great, no need to speak to that Muppet again for another year. Okay, no. What you should be doing is picking that out of 10,000 companies. And you're going to say, how the hell am I going to look through 10,000 companies, you geek? I don't have the kind of time you do. Uh, no. And by the way, I don't even know what I should be looking for. So I'll tell you what you should be looking for. And all of these are eligible for an ISA or a SIP. 
We need to tick the value box, and I'll come to that in a couple of slides, what that means, the valuation, because we know undervalued companies tend to perform better than overvalued ones. They're not guaranteed to outperform, but we know from the historical data. Now, when I was writing for the Financial Times, my weekly column on the markets, I do a lot of research from the academics, and there were three academics in particular who went on, by the way, to win the Nobel Prize in Economics because their research was amazing, uh, and I'd, re I'd uh, write about their research before they became Nobel Prize winners, Richard Thaler, Daniel Kahneman, and Eugene Farmer, or Eugene Farmer, okay? Uh, and they all won it at different times in economics. The fascinating thing is two of those are not economists. They're psychologists. Uh, anyway, the point is, one of the several things that they discovered was fund managers underperform because they pick from narrow gene pools. Can you imagine you got the Nobel Prize for that? If you have a smaller sample size, the chances of you getting something of high quality is lower than if you have a bigger sample size using the same criteria. I know, it's amazing. Yeah, Nobel Prize, economics for that. A bit more than that, but incredible. Uh, you do get prizes for stating the bloody obvious. Now, value we know we need to take. Growth, revenue growth, which is sales or profit growth. Dividend deals, okay, we know we need to take those because we know they have an impact on share price movements. They're not guaranteed to give us a positive return. If they were, we'd just buy one stock, whatever the magic stock is, and go to bed. Cash return on capital invested is something uh, invented by Deutsche Bank, used by Goldman Sachs Wealth Management. You've got 50 million, Goldman Sachs Wealth Management will give it to you. Um, and what I did is I took their slides, which at a dinner that I was at, uh, sorry, a lunch, I'm from Yorkshire, lunch or what we call dinner up north, uh, about 13 years ago. And what they discovered is companies in the top quartile by croquis, cash return on capital invested, generate about 30% per annum. That should wake you up, 30% per annum. Not guaranteed, not every year, but on average. So we want to make sure we tick that box. Momentum, i.e. price change over the last six months, we want to tick that. Sortino is an important one because in the hedge fund industry, it's the first thing we're asked. Not our performance, but our performance, our average return versus the downside risk of missing it, okay? And then alpha is outperformance of the market. So we want to make sure we're green across all of these. As you can see, there's very few stocks which meet that criteria. That is going to be critically, critically important. That is really important. We can do that with the S&P. We can do it with the Dow. By the way, for the Dow, this is what it looks like at the moment. Hardly anything which meets it, right? And you might say, well, wait a minute, why did you pick Microsoft then? Well, it does meet it. But also, there's a couple of stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, which I put in my quality bracket where I'll hold them even if they don't quite meet the criteria. The issue then also becomes, well, which funds should we have? Or should we have funds at all? Now, if you're relatively young, you're probably going to have funds. You have funds because you want lower volatility, less risk. Otherwise, why not just have individual stocks? But if you want funds, I suggest exchange-traded funds. And again, apply a similar approach, 5,000 funds, one month, three month, and six month uh, uh, momentum. Volatility, I'd say under 13%, because 13% is Microsoft's volatility. And if you want more volatility, just buy bloody Microsoft. I don't care what those funds say they do. Social justice, couldn't care less. Uh, okay. It, something just barked. Is that your dog? Yeah, I'll put myself on mute. Sorry. No, that's fine. I just thought, I, I just, I don't know what I thought. Something barked. I thought, shit, that's a Monday, you know. Uh, and they'll have these great names like emerging markets, India, artificial intelligence, Asia, you know. Um, I'm surprised they just don't say the Amundi, this will make you stonking rich fund. You know, it's just marketing. What matters is, where's the Sortino? Have they actually delivered on what they've said? 
Yeah, have they delivered over the last six months, three months, one month, and their volatility is relatively low, but their Sortino is high. There's very few that will ever meet that criteria. So we want to look across that, and, the, and, and that still begs the question, how many stocks should we have? And this is what I show people. On the whole, 15 to 40. After 40, you can do this experiment all day long if you want, okay? Just see what happens if you have more than 40. Well, first of all, you stop monitoring and you go dead. Um, it gets too difficult. And people say, no, 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 what if they're all 15 in one sector? Well, then you're pretty stupid. But eh, honestly, 15 will give you pretty good uh, 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 diversification. And if you don't believe me, there's five billionaires who've got most of their money in just 10 holdings. Uh, you can if and but it all you want, uh, but that's where we are with that. The other thing I show people is this from Goldman Sachs Wealth Management. And some say this is quite uh, conservative. But basically what it's saying is, depending on your age or years to retirement, I don't know if you can see my mouse. Can you see my mouse on screen? Yeah, I can see it. Good. Years to retirement, you've got to decide, okay, how much should be in funds, how much should be in cash, and how much should be in stocks. And you'll determine that based on your years to retirement. Now, I think I've got 25 years to retirement. Okay, my wife has got different ideas. Uh, but well, it's probably because of her I've got to work another 25 years. Anyway, it's a different story. 25 years to retirement, which means I could have as much as 100% in equities. Uh, I've probably got about 10% in cash and 90, 90% in uh, equities. But if I was a bit more cautious and I thought I've got 10 years to retirement, I might have 50% equities, 30% exchange-traded funds, and the rest in cash, for instance. But as I said, this is not controversial. In my books, there's about 18 books over my shoulder, one of which is published in Korean, by the way, uh, I was reminded of today. Uh, and this uh, I've republished in those with due credits to Goldman Sachs, because as I said, it's not it's not controversial. So if that's the approach we're going to take, we still begs the question, OK, well, how are we going to pick these stocks? We need a process for picking them. Right. Uh, and I'm going to take you through that. Now, before I do, it's not based on just journalists or what analysts say and think. Fun though it is like this. And by the way, the vast majority of these are all too early. The only ones which got my green light at the moment were the ones that I've highlighted there. And it was just suspicious how the others just looked too early. They were still falling sharply. Now, that's not to say by next week there might be more which are green. And I might on Telegram or LinkedIn or YouTube go back to this. I probably will go back to this and update it as we go along because I think it's it's quite nice actually. There's a big number there and I've got a I've got a team who can do that thanks to God bless Chat GPT and um the ability to teach people who know nothing about investing to get the reports right. Somebody asked me recently, is there a job do you think for um equity analysts in investment banks? And I said no, because I've got somebody on minimum wage, I've got two people on minimum wage uh working in India. So British minimum wage in India. Actually it's a bit more than that. Um, who can do your job, what you're doing in a bank and being paid 50 grand for in the UK. Forget about it, especially now, thanks to tech. And the analysis has been proven time and time again to be absolutely ideal. OK, so it still begs the question, how do we pick the stocks? Now, before I do that, I want to quickly run through what the problem is. So before I give you the solution of how do we pick the stocks, uh, that you should adopt, the approach you should adopt. So you're picking value, growth, income, cash. That should give you. Sortino Alpha, that should give you resilience. So if there's a headwind, your stock shouldn't fall as far. 
might even rise. And if there's a tailwind, they should boom, double your pension or, you know, sorry, not double your pension, should double whatever the index is in an ideal scenario, but at least exceed it. OK, so what is that then? What is that now? That's the solution. What's the problem? The problem, just to remind you, is this the bloody fund managers. Now, I've written about this in the Financial Times over 23 years ago. So this is not a new crusade I have. Okay. And I'm not the only one who's written about it in the Financial Times because Chris Flood wrote about it in August 2011. Now that's the problem. Your pension's being destroyed. Then you've got the Times writing about this, uh, billions sitting in funds and these guys really get it in the neck. I mean, oh my God. Um, sadly, I know people who work there, so I'm going to be a little bit polite. Um, but anyway, uh, they don't work on the fund management side. They're more on the economic side, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, this is how, what's going on in the industry. It's one of the reasons which motivates me to get this education out more quickly. And then you get, you know, this is people in their pensions have this bloody thing. And you're not going to believe this. When I highlighted this, that look, that's quarter of your pension gone in one year. I mean, obviously you wouldn't put it in one fund. And IFA on Twitter started arguing with me. Of course, that's Twitter going, yeah, but it's all right. It depends what else is in the pension. It's yeah, but why would you have, and could you have anything which could be down that much when it's a fund? An individual stock, yes, but a fund manager is not supposed to be, he should have, when he was down 20%, said, all right, call this year off, go to cash. But they're not allowed. They're not allowed to go into cash. They're not allowed to go into cash more than about 2 3%. So they've got to drag the market lower. IFAs destroy your pension. Well, we know that. Pension advice cost me £6,000. One hour of it. Flipping neck. IFAs. Honestly, they're even worse than fund managers. And they're not paid as well. Uh, and how you destroy your pension? Well, you'll go for name recognition. I mean, the classic ones at the moment, people will say to me, oh, I've got Scottish mortgage. It did so well for so many years. And oh my God, it's gone down. That's because when the market goes down, they can't go to cash. They're one, Fundsmith's another. Fine. They bought the kinds of stocks I would have had in an up market. But unlike them, I can go into cash like a Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, whatever. They couldn't. So they get dragged you know, last year, like I said, Meta was down 80%. So they get dragged down. You lost half your pension in a year, right? So what are the things we need to look at? These are the things that we need to tick. Valuation, as I've already said. And I don't care whether you use price earnings ratio or price earnings growth. I don't care. Or even price to book. But usually I'd say PE, PEG, growth, as I've said. Why do you want to tick each box? Well, fund managers are trying to flog you a value fund, a growth fund, so they can flog you more stuff. Why can't you tick both boxes? Something which is growing in revenue and sales and also is its share price relatively low to its profitability. Ta-da! They should give me a Nobel Prize for that obvious statement. Who knows? Maybe they will one day. Income, dividend yields, momentum, because we know the data from Citibank shows, amongst others, that there is some correlation between a trend and future price movements. It's not guaranteed. It's not certain because I don't have a time machine. If I had a time machine, I'd give you certainty. If I was doctor, the doctor who, then I would. And don't worry about this at the moment. All I'd say to you is volatility, box tick, okay, on that one. The other factors don't really worry about at the moment. They're a bit more technical. Um, and this is how I do it. I'll put it into this. I'll put everything filtered into green okay because it makes it easier to monitor and see and those and i want green across those first five columns 
for companies. So when I talk to, talk to you about companies, whether it's on LinkedIn or Telegram or YouTube, um, and say I like it, it's either going to be a special situation because it's, it's, it's almost exactly or ticks all those boxes, but the volatility was just a bit too high. Let's say 27% for argument's sake. Uh, oh, by the way, the reason I blurred these out is because otherwise people might think it's this slide. I've given you the ones at the moment. This is an older slide because I don't want to keep updating necessarily uh, that. I've given you a lot of names already. Um, and these are the important facts. Take a picture of this if you wish, uh, which is value, growth, income, cash flow, cash return, capital invested, Sortino Alpha. Then tactics. You can always say, oh, well, I've got two companies that meet all those criteria. One's in AI, one's in making pizzas. Which do you prefer? Well, you can then tactically just decide, you know what, I'll go as a tiebreaker. It's less relevant. doesn't matter. I'll go with XYZ. You know, I'll go with the AI company because it's AI sexy. But that's not something that matters. The other things matter. Monitor infrequently once every two weeks. Now, these numbers are really important. 12, 15, 25. Okay. Um, by the way, it's really fascinating. Everybody's gone silent. Uh, there's just no questions, which is fine. Um, I don't mind that because we'll do the Q&A at the end. Actually, I want the questions at the end, not right now. Well, uh, there are oh, some questions coming through. I'm just answering them. Oh, sorry. That might be right. I, I, I couldn't see it. Oh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> so 12 months holding period, and then we redo it. Minimum 15 stocks. Okay. Uh, if it drops 25% from the high, but you might change that based on your risk appetite, then you'd sell it, uh, even if 12 months are not up. And I'm targeting personally. Now, in the UK market, since 2004, my uh, selections based on this approach have been documented, okay, by an independent third party. And that independent third party is a company which has won uh, many awards by Financial Times, not for my work, but just as part of everything they do. Anyway, that on the UK markets, my returns are for UK, which tends to be, you've seen 7% this year versus the index was up 7% compared to 18, more than double on the US, um, has been about 18% per annum. My US returns tend to be closer to 40, not because I'm better, not because I'm cleverer, but because the index just does twice as well as the UK one. It just does. I mean, it's American markets tend to do at least twice as well. In 1999, I wrote in the Financial Times, I'm selling all my UK holdings and only buying US ones. Uh, and it's in the FT and it might be a slide coming up. And thank God I kept that copy of the newspaper because I can use it now all the time uh, because you just tend to do a lot better in the picks. And so my pension has grown, say, tenfold, whereas my UK cousins has grown maybe doubled or tripled in that time. Okay. One strategy, many tactics. VGI, so value growth income, Sortino, uh, alpha volatility. And as I said, well, I said, you know, 15 minimum, but 20 to 40 max, well, 40 max. All right. And I've shown you that before already. Now, if you get a good tailwind, and I'm not going to just pick this year. I wanted to say, because I thought, well, people might just say, oh, you just got lucky this year. Well, let's take 2020 to 2021. All right. This was, this was some of the stocks we had on there. Now, did I know Crocs in 12 months was going to give a 208% return? No, because if I did, as I've said many times before, or Generac, I would have sold my mother-in-law and put everything and then some in it. Equally, Crocs then fell, I don't know, about 90%. That's why you have 12 months, because after that 12, during that 12 months, we could capture 208%. I think it peaked at about 240% up. We could capture it, but we didn't hold it as it got rotten and then went all the way down, just like a Peloton or a Netflix or all of the others or Meta. 
That's why the 12 month rules are important and the 25% from the peak rule is really important. Otherwise we wouldn't have captured that. We would have gone, ah, oh, look how clever are we? And then we would have seen it go down like Scottish mortgage company did with theirs or Fundsmith did with theirs. Uh, because they don't have that simple rule because they can't go to bloody cash. Okay. Uh, is that typical of every 12 months? I wish it was that this would be these four are the average of all our returns. More typical is in a year with tailwind 54% is typical. So this year, I expect to get another 54, if not 60, 70%, depending on the end of the year, because it's actually rebounded the NASDAQ so nicely. That's not typical in the sense that that doesn't happen every year. But in the years where you get that kind of tailwind, that would be a typical return. Only if you've got American stocks. You're not going to get it with really British ones, I'm afraid. So let's look at what the projections for this look like. Assume you plan to invest over 10 years. And let's say you make 20%, more like the UK returns rather than the US ones. Okay, some years more, some years less, right? And let's say you've got 100K. We'll work out if you've got less money in a second, in a SIP, ISA, whatever. And you plan to add one and a half each month. So this is for the rich people, right? They've got 100K and then one and a half uh, per month, right? You'll have a million by the end of 10 years. So your 100 has become a million in 10 years. 10, million, right? You started off with 100. You end up with a million over 10 years. Based on that, you might say, no, 20% is unrealistic. Yes, you're right. This year was made up for last year and the year before made up for, I don't know, next year maybe in that sense. So what's really going to happen, which is realistic, is some years will be ahead, some years will be down, be up, up, down, and you'll probably end up doing something closer to that. All right. That's the idea. Now, why don't people do this? Well, because, you know, we all think we're going to live forever. And who the hell wants to give up today's donuts in exchange for, well, a hundred thousand dollars a year? By then you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes, you've got some capital that's been added. But by this point, you're making about a hundred thousand dollars a year for doing nothing. But what if you only have 10K to start with? Then you add just 6K a year divided equally each month then this is what it would look like. Now, this is more like my son, who's now five. And because um, that year was very strong and this year is very strong, uh, this year was a bit mediocre. Last year was a bit mediocre uh, because the markets were down. So you couldn't go get your massive returns. Um, he's probably a little bit uh, higher up here, but there might be some bad years and he'll make up for it. And let's just assume he goes averages over here. Then by the time he's ready to go to university, the bugger will be sitting with 600,000 in his bank account. And that's only his ISA. We're only maximizing his ISA allowance each year, which is currently now, I think it's nine, 10,000 a year you can put in. So we're not putting massive amounts in. We're just maximizing the junior ISA. That's it. Okay. And gradually bit by bit. Now, yes, I know it's called compounding, but the point of it is, is this is when it gets interesting because then there's a massive income, which I'll probably just take off him, to be honest, because nobody needs that kind of money. You can go get a job. So, uh, these are some of the paying clients we've had in the past. Uh, I take great pleasure that Goldman Sachs was one of them. Um, let me go into a bit more detail. Paris, do you want to come in at anything? That's my book launch. So I have highlighted this for many years, this kind of approach uh, for many, many years. Paris, do you want to come in at anything? Uh I think just to summarise, this whole concept of 
having a trade plan particularly is is pretty much what we teach you to do. So it doesn't matter, as you were commenting earlier, it doesn't matter whether you have a six-month plan or a 12-month plan. What we've discovered over the last, you know, since 2004, while you've been doing this, is that it works. So why change it particularly? Uh, and I think there were other comments about uh, options particularly. I'm not sure. I thought maybe I'll... Oh, we'll do that in the... the well, we do that one in the Q&A then. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm just going to reiterate that point. So where does that leave us? Well, one thing I want you all to look at, if you've got a workplace pension or you've got a, any support, I saw a wealth manager, please ask them which funds are you invested in and then look up and you should be able to get that data. Look it up. This is a typical one and it worries the hell out of me for a fund which uh, one of our students had. Um, and it's at 91 of the fund managers. Okay. 10,000 pounds. And this is what it said on page 56 or some, you know, really buried in deep. If you cash in after five years, recommended holding period, of course it is, because after five years, you're typically not going to have lost money. Let's say you made none. You're not going to have lost it. Well, great. That's not what I'm after. If I don't want to lose it, I've got a mattress. Thanks very much. Uh, you'll have paid a thousand pounds. Wait a minute. I start with 10,000. I paid a thousand. Yeah, but it's all right, Arpesh, because in five years, they'll have made me lots. Well, no, we know they won't actually. They'll probably made you nothing. That's why so many people are annoyed with them. And I guess the, the whole point of my whole campaign of teaching people all of this on social media and everywhere else um, has really been driven by this factor. Um, and I've discussed it on the BBC as well. I've discussed it at number 10 recently as well, uh, which I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to do, but it was good. Um, is, uh, and whenever I've been on the Beeb to discuss it as well, um, the whole point of it, has been that I think private investors can learn how to be better than an overpaid fund manager. And my mouth is so big, I was asked to prove it in 2004, and it happened, and beat this numpty. I mean, you might as well ask an easy numpty to beat. Well, do you know what? I also, if you think he was an easy numpty to beat, Jasper the cat, uh, I also beat. Right? I think you can do it. By the way, Paul Marsh uh, is... Um, well, he's significant. He's massive in the industry. Uh, investing tactic. Before, Guru, before you move yeah, on, go ahead. Uh, just, just to clarify this point about fund managers, so they really do have their hands tied because of regulations. They do not have the ability because of the uh, the wave of cash that comes at them through pension funds, particularly. So every month, so I've got a very good friend who's at Legal in General, and he's you know he's told me quite uh, blankly that I receive 160 million every month uh, and I've got to place it somewhere because that's what they have to do because that's what box they have to tick for the FCA. Otherwise, they'll come undone and have fees to pay. Uh, what you have as an individual is, well, you can be nimble, you can be in and out quicker than what they can and you're allowed to do that. You just need to be educated and taught how to do that. Anyway, I thought I'd just add that. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the things that I can get a bit too academic, and forgive me for doing this, and this is the slide that I talked about earlier from Goldman Sachs Asset Management, which I love, cash return on capital invested. Uh, and that's what it does. And you don't need to know all of this. Uh, it's from their quantum database, which I just think sounds so sexy. Uh, Goldman Sachs Global Investment Research. Um, but actually, their geeks discovered that 30% CAGR, so consider that 30% per annum, on average, 
Uh, not every year during the financial crisis, nobody got that. And that was on cash return on capital invested. Now, the funny thing is, if I put this on social media, 99% of people go, yeah, bloody hell, yeah, that makes sense. The cash you can generate from cash. If you invest a pound in capital and you generate 10 pounds in uh, cash, that's phenomenal. Or, you know, even 30 pence in cash every year, that's great. It's another way of saying maybe profit margins or what's feeding into them or whatever. It tells you a lot of other stuff. And cash is hard to manipulate by accountants. And then you'll get 1% who'll say, nah, nothing ever works. And no, they're probably just lying to you and all of this. But anyway, you'll always get the conspiracy theorists. Um, But I love using research like this because it's another box we know we should tick. And we didn't know we should have ticked. I wouldn't have worked this out. Because if I could have worked this out, I'd be working at Quantum Database, Goldman Sachs Research, whatever, you know. Um, can I right at the end tell you something that from uh, our asset management experience we created and the reason why we created it right at the end. You don't have to stay for the last 10 minutes. But the reason I ask for permission, as you'll know, in all my webinars, we've been on these before. I ask for permission. So nobody goes, <gasps> why did you talk about what your ambitions are? To We've got a plan to shake up the global fund management industry in the sense that there is a niche area of people who want to do this themselves, what I've discussed. Now, there'll be others who'll say, no, I don't care if I'm actually ripping me off. I'm going to keep letting them rip me off because I don't have the time, energy or whatever. And there's others who say, mm, I'll let the IFA rip me off, not the fund manager, whoever they want ripping off. But there's a group, about 10% in the multi-trillion dollar market in the world who do want to have a look at the data each month do want somebody to handhold them, don't want to have to pay subscriptions for it and say, well, actually, yeah, I do want that data and I want to talk to you, Alpesh, what, which ones fit my risk profile. So they choose the broker. They choose who they're going to have their SIP or ISA with, not the fund manager. They choose the individual equities. They have the conversation with the expert whenever they want to say, yeah, have I done it right? And they're totally in control. So at three in the morning when they wake up, they know where their money is, not having to wait or not know at all what's been invested. And they can explain to their spouse, because that's the person you've got to be answerable to, your spouse, uh, value, growth, income, cash flow. Have all those boxes been ticked? Okay, fine. And they have the flow chart to know, yeah, it's okay that I've got 20 stocks. It's okay um, because it's not been 12 months and nothing's dropped more than 25% from the high and if it does, I know when to get out. The proof that I can teach people this and people can do this, the best example, it happened by accident. So this young lady left university and her first job was at my company, at my uh, asset management company. And she worked for us for two years as my assistant. Okay. And then she joined Newton. Now she's at Polar Capital and manages about 10 billion under management. First job, me, two years, then Newton. And if whenever she launches new funds, the SEC report will say, because they're usually in the US and or in the UK, will say started her career with my company. Uh, and I'm delighted that she does. And we've actually, actually the global head of um, communications at Wells Fargo is also my assistant, my former assistant. So we've done quite well with, just so happens there were women um, who've gone on to great, great things in the industry, which obviously being a man, I'm going to take credit for. Uh, the hard work of a woman. But uh, the point is, it can be taught. By the way, her degree, do you think it was finance or economics? Put in the box what you think her degree was in. Um, when she graduated, first job, worked for me. What do you think her degree was? It'd be interesting to know what people think, because uh, I often get asked by people, oh, what degree do you need to do this? 
And, you know, we speak to pensioners, we speak to cash-rich, time-poor professionals. Dentists, lawyers, accountants are very common. People who are basically fed up. Now, it's still only 10%, I estimate, of the people who are fed up who will say, actually, I want to just get the data and do it myself and have somebody check it, check my homework. 90% will still say, you know what, I'll keep getting ripped off. I don't mind I'm underperforming and I've got to work hard for the rest of my life. And that's fine. I get that. I mean, if you said to my mom, she'd say, I can't do this, mate. You just do it. I can't, I don't know how, I don't have time. I've got to look after this, that, and the other. And that's fine. Uh, this was developed by me when I was, uh, with just as many double chins at university, uh, sitting my exams. Uh, and I've published it in books. I've published it in my newspaper columns. I've won competitions with my know-how. The ideal thing we think coming from the asset management industry to shake it up, to tap into that $10 trillion market, which is mine and Parrish's ambition and eventually hopefully float this on the stock market after some venture capital investing, unless we self-fund it, um, is it should be at people's pace whenever they want to invest. It should be that they can get one-to-one attention whenever they want. And th- that bit they find hard to believe. They go, nah, surely not. What? What? Uh, there is a cap. The cap is for the first 250 people, um, it'll be me and Parrish, but then afterwards, well, it'll be me because I don't want to put an obligation on Paul Parrish, but it'll be me. Um, then after that, there might be other people who'll be the mentor, but for the first 250, it'll always be me. This is what it should be. Uh, uh, that they're dealing with no travel or hotel costs. It should be broker independent. They should have the information of the markets if they want it, ongoing support, lifetime update, but no subscriptions. Have access to all that software, all that data, but without subscriptions. And the reason I believe that is because if you have subscriptions and you're just paying fees from instead of a fund manager, you're just paying it to a piece of software. You're still paying fees. That's no good. It shouldn't have that ongoing fee. It should be you making it, you deciding whether you go to Barclays, Hargreaves, Lansdowne, AJ Bell, free trade, who else is that? You know, it's a whole bunch more. Um, and if new things happen like AI, it should be being updated, not a fund manager writing to you now and again. And like I said, I'm evangelical about it. If ever I get the opportunity, even if they're talking about, God knows, if they talk about Palestine, I'll still talk about, yeah, but you know what, Sally? Private investors are just not investing enough themselves. Uh, so I'll shoehorn it into anything. Uh, and the reason we decided to make this global uh, with people on board from everywhere from New Zealand to uh, London is because actually after years of collecting amazing, amazing reviews for the work that was being done, and I thought it just made sense to put that into a piece of data, into a package uh, for people and eventually float the whole damn thing. But that's the approach that I've explained. I'm going to take Q&A and you should have a look at some of the reviews that we've had uh, as well. This is what it's called if you want to be part of it. And whenever I do a webinar, I haven't done one in six months because I've just not had the time. So we're, it's and the next one might be six months from now as well. Um, I take on 10 people at a time to join and give them a discount only when if it's outside of that period then you pay full price i'm afraid um and we thought well what should we price something like this at well ultimately it came down to this part it didn't come down to all of this all the benefits it came down to this what if somebody got a 15 percent uplift on a 100k portfolio they'd be making 15k in a year that's quite a lot uh and we did all of this and we thought, well, we'll give them access to not just my portfolio, but actually all the data that I've shown updated every month and calls and access uh, to me, because that should 
then ultimately give them remove all the problems that exist in the existing market, which is underperformance because they're able to pick the best value growth, income, cash flow stocks. They can see it, transparency, because that doesn't exist in the market. No fees, because there's no fees based on your assets and the management, no subscription fees, none of that either. And in a good year, they just need one good year and they'll have made shit like this year, like 2021, they'll have made far more, you know, than they've ever paid. On a 500k SIP or ISA, we've got some people who've sold their businesses and have got 20 million that they're managing. Uh, they're managing, not us, they manage it. Uh, 100k on half a million, we've got some people who've done even significantly more than that. You can look at the reviews there. So we're really proud to take this to the market and hopefully get venture capital investing in it eventually. Um, but like I said, we might change our mind on that investment. If you want to join, I'm going to do the Q&A now. Uh, but if you want to join, that's where you go. It is a very much first come, first serve, I'm afraid, because we always uh, fill up the coupons. We always fill up the the the, um, the seats, I'm afraid. OK, uh, and we've reduced it to 18 month installments. That's it. There's no ongoing cost, but it's yours for life. All the updates, all the access uh, to me as well. And that's where you go. And what we discovered was if we're going to remove, like any other business, we're going to remove the problem. And I didn't want to do this out of asset management initially because I thought, well, wait a minute, I've got to focus on one thing. Then I thought, wait a minute, this is the next evolution of what's happening in fund management. You know, the fund managers are just not delivering enough. Okay, there's just too many Xs. Look at that. And the IFA certainly aren't. They don't even tick any box. And DIY has crosses against some very important bits. There isn't a proven process with the others based on Nobel Prize winning research, which we then share with everyone on the program. There's a whole educational part, which you don't have to do, but it's there. Um, what most people want is just the data. Um, they just want this updated every month for them. And then the call with me uh, just to make sure that what they've done uh, fits. They want this updated and then the call, Sorry. the education's there. Sorry, Paris, do you want to come in? Yeah, I do actually, because one of the points there, you, you go back to that slide. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, the life one to one handholding. So just to give you an example of what, uh, what this actually means. Uh, one of the, one of the men, mentees I had when, uh, this is 1998. He just finished his O levels uh, or GCSEs or whatever it was at the time doing his A levels. Hmm. Came to see me for three months. He contacted me, <clears throat> uh, eight years later, having graduated from Warwick University. He was at Goldman Sachs. He ended up being one of the top FX traders. Now, I met yeah. him recently again. And to highlight this one-to-one -one, uh, aspect of it, he now pays £600 an hour for uh, oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. to teach him how to manage his own emotions. So don't think that just because yeah. you're a professional, you don't need that additional support. So this is all inclusive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean... Actually, sometimes we get people asking us outside of investment, well, look, you know, I'm worried about this part of um, the stock that I'm about to buy or this. And we're able to actually, because I love doing it. I mean, you know, last night I was doing at 1130 um, and I posted it and I said, 
I don't mind doing it at 11.30 because look at the reply we get. We get people sending amazing emails back going, wow, that's great. I learned this. And, and so you get that dopamine hit. But you also know if you get that kind of happiness out of people, the word spreads. But it's a niche thing. This is a niche thing. This is a niche thing because it is for people. Some people will say, you know what? I'd rather get smacked by my IFA. I don't want to. Uh, and I completely get that uh, and understand that. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, but there's enough people who say, no, actually, I do want the data. I want it all handheld for me. Okay. And that's me getting very excited. Uh, and I want it all fed to me, but without having to pay these constant ridiculous fees that uh, the IFAs require. Uh, I've shown you this. Um, there's a load of education that I provide. Uh, which people don't have to do. Usually what happens is once they're onboarded and after they've done the first uh, one hour, the first call usually lasts about an hour because they're, they're given access to all the data and shown how to use it and everything else, uh, the call with me. Uh, what happens is they then say, actually, I do want to know about cash return. I want to see that Nobel Prize winning research you mentioned. And, and I want to know a bit more about um, uh, uh, cash return on capital invested or, you know, some of the other things you've mentioned. And that's good because I want them to know. But others just say, look, mate, I've picked the portfolio. I'll speak to you in 12 months. I know exactly what to do. Uh, I don't need to read Citibank or Mercer's report or government sense, but I include all of that and put it all in there. And, and to be honest, most people don't want to read that, but for the few who might, I think it's good. Um, and it explains everything, but they don't have to, re I said, they don't need to do that because, uh, it's all done for them. All, it's a bit like those maths problems at school. Any other questions, Parish, that you can see? Cause I've not yeah, had a look yes. at the questions. I mean, just, uh, so Ramos is asking, you know, apart from picking stocks once a year, uh, what else do you get in the, in the whole year? So, I, I, you know. Well, you might not pick it in the year. You might say, you know what, Alpesh, I've got a bonus coming in six months. You might have two portfolios. Yeah. Um, and what you also get every single, other than full access to me anytime you want to speak to us about anything is which is in itself as well as all this education material which is updated about every week and the two market there's a private client friday market update every friday there's a video which is about 10 to 12 minutes of very detailed to the point analysis on where i think the markets are going and that really saves people um, a lot of time energy and money because it's very much directed towards the portfolio there's nothing yeah, outside of that so uh, you're underselling yourself there a little bit for a change. Mm. But the, the additional uh, aspect is certainly the, the special situation. So when they occur, which yeah. is extremely generous with, with okay, this is, I mean, doesn't mean you have to do it, but but you do get a wave of information. It's up, up to you to whether participate or not. Yeah. That's the Telegram channel with the existing subscribers. Um, and like I said, when we get to 250, we might open, it might be other people teaching the new people, but you guys will always have me. Um, by the way, it's timely because congratulations to everyone who made the 100% return on Palantir, for instance, uh, because I'd said about Palantir, here it is, special situation, Palantir risk very high because it's special situation, 100% return or three years, whichever first, actually within about, 13 14 months it got 100 percent return i didn't know it was going to be 13 14 months i didn't know it was going to win the contract from the nhs yesterday which is many hundreds of millions um but that doubled all right um now that was a special situation because uh it and panty is a massive company uh because it's not some tiny we don't go for tiny little name companies because these are the things which are in my sip and i saw my son's uh junior isa it's because it ticked all these boxes across the board. 
right? It wasn't, look, none of these are good enough to make my list because none of them are uh, right across the board, right? Not a single one of these is good enough. I know that because they're not green across the board. You can see that, right? They're not green. They need to be green across here. So none of them, oops, across here, then none of them have made it. So it just goes to show you how picky we get. And if you think about it, you'd want to be picky. If you're picking individual equities, you want to be really bloody. And even here, it's very few that make the mark. So yes, you're right. There's the special situations that the individual stocks in the I mean, daily Chris, Chris has just uh, uh, messaged that he made 913% on Palantir. Thanks to Gip. Oh, brilliant. Where? I can't see these. Why not? It's on the chat. Oh, am I looking at the wrong thing? No. Oh, it must be. I don't know. Maybe the chat's private. Oh, God. Yeah, there's loads on the chat. I, I didn't see these. Okay. Oh, you know what's happened? I haven't scrolled down. It's going up. It's going downwards. Uh, it used to go upwards before. Um, the chat used to go upward. The latest ones came at the top. Now they come at the bottom somehow. Yeah, they come um, thank you. Chris, yes. Um, thanks. Oh, well, that's fantastic. I'm going to broadcast that one. Um, Chris, I'm absolutely delighted. Uh, broadcast comment to room. Um, Chris, we've got to do a video interview with you. I'll set up a video interview with you because I love those. Um, thoughts on the cooling economy. I apologize that I missed all of these messages, you know, but look, I never pretend to be an expert on sticky messages. Um, Julian, on the cooling economy in 2024. Uh, I do the update on Wednesdays and Fridays because the market is a bit like driving down a froggy road. I can see so far and we might say oh look i'm still holding let's say i'm still holding palantir for argument's sake uh and i'm going to continue holding it this week and then we do another update next week yeah i'm going to continue holding it then next week continue holding it i'm not trying to see um when i leave leeds what it looks like in london because it's just too difficult to say so i could give you an answer but it's going to be the kind of bbc head talking head comment which is just pointless yeah. it's valueless. again this goes back to the other comment where what else do you get so you were doing exactly that uh, when the market was coming off in 2022 and telling yeah. everyone to stay out of it until it turned a corner. I remember that. So. Chris um, said not nine, 913, 103%. Uh, it did look a bit high because it hadn't it gone up that much. I thought maybe you leveraged uh, yeah. for a minute, but you doubled your, you got over 100% basically, which is what we said and we put on um, Telegram. Um, so I was really pleased with that. Um uh, so, Chris, I'm still going to interview you. Ramos, do you ever share your own portfolio with members? Yes, indeed. Uh, every Friday I'll go into the stocks, that, for instance, what I'm buying and what is in my junior sip. And I, sometimes I share it on this webinar. Uh, you might have seen that I uh, put my son's – if you've been on this webinar before in May, I know it's been six months, you'll have seen that I did the screenshots for me, my son, and my wife. Uh, on the May one. And sorry, it's been six months. It's not normally that I do these six months, but I've just been busy with clients, to be honest. And, uh, so that's been it. Uh, Hugh, or is it just the same with access to extra data? Sorry. What's the difference in education resources to the free program? Uh, the, oh, you've got the data. You've got a lot more education and you've got all the work done for you. So you've got all the picks, the access to me, the calls, and you've got what we call a further filtered list. So we take all of this, we take the approved filtered list, which for obvious reasons I'm not showing, that one, and then we filter that further uh, as well. And that's a new thing we started doing. And what we've also started adding to that is AI stock picks. Now that's just for a bit of fun, because we then ask AI, we upload all of this and we ask AI, what do you like? Uh, but that's for fun. That is not 
uh, for picking. It's just, and if any of the ones AI has come up with, which happens a fair bit, are the ones we also like, then that's even better. But it's it's just for fun because it's too early with AI to to start going completely crazy on it um, as well. Uh, okay, uh, Parish, you go ahead. Any I've missed? Oh, thank you, Ravi. As well, Ravi, you were in Parliament today to watch the budget live. I know this because we're on LinkedIn together, and you're on the Great Investments Program. Uh, I'm going to broadcast that comment to the audience. Yeah, I think uh, there's a comment from Simon. He's having trouble purchasing. Oh, sorry. Um, we'll we'll hold that place for you. Yeah. Um, it might be that all have gone, but I'll honour that. Don't worry. If they've all gone, I'll honour your your discount and your place, and uh, we'll we'll uh, sort that out offline. Um, because sometimes what happens is a lot of people going through at the same time, and it just the website doesn't expect lots of people at one go. Um, Ramos, oh, uh, explosion in retail. Well, Ramos, the first book I wrote on trading online was in 1998. 25 years ago, and the Financial Times published it, it became an international bestseller. So this explosion in retail investing isn't recent. So no, I don't think it's really affected anything uh, other than occasionally extremities and social media. You get, uh, you know, you, you saw how a hedge fund was brought down by social media. So you get some extreme events now and again. Uh, KP on HL, do never, ever do three times leverage. I've got a separate video on two times leverage ETFs. Please be careful. Look at my video first. Look at the educational material first. We've got a whole section on the program about two times leverage. Yes, it's made a lot of people a hell of a lot of money. Never do three times leverage, ever, because it does not work the way you think it works. You are almost guaranteed always to lose money on it. Uh, Evelyn, you will get what people put through. Da-da, da-da, yep. Suzanne, English Lit, domestic science degree, English literature. Uh, yes, it was English literature. Alistair's been here before. History, art, history. Art, maths, geography. This is about Naomi. No, it was English. Uh, Chris, you've paid attention. Yeah, it was English. My point being, it was completely unrelated to finance and economics. In other words, just like I can teach anybody to drive a car, I can teach anybody this. You know, it is that easy. Um, as well. Okay. Thank you all. I think I don't think I've missed anything, have I? Parish? No, I think that's everything. Good. Now, listen, guys, I'm going to run home because it's going to be my son's bath time a little bit late. I don't expect... Sorry. No, Neil, it, uh, the discount is for the full amount, not just for the first installment. No, no, it's across the whole 18. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, Neil. We're not... We're not... Um, uh, yeah, it's across the whole 18. Uh, where are we? Let me see. I think that's everything for now. So... Uh, Neil, let me know if you need us to hold you a place. If anybody needs us to hold a place, please let me know now because after the webinar, it's going to be full. Only because I know I've kept capacity for 10. And if there's going to be more people, they've got to pay more because you've got less capacity. Um, so Simon, you're one and Neil. Thank you both. I'm going to go. Uh, any other questions, please do keep sending them in because we'll have a look at them later tonight. Um, and that's all for now. If there's anything you'd also like to see, Dow at the end of the year looks positive at the moment. It's really the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. Keep yeah. looking at my Telegram updates. If you want to see all the links, including, uh, well, actually, if you want to just see all the other benefits and the free stuff, uh, as well, feel free to have a look at com forward slash links. Um, could you hold a place for me, please? Yep, yeah. absolutely. Zafir, anyone want uh, to, will do. 
anyone can't uh, get through and wants a quick tour, uh, just email me and I'll uh, Neil, holding your place and Zafra holding your place as well. Um, I've got both of you, uh, so no problem as well. Uh, we'll make sure, Parish will keep a note of that. Um, yeah. Please make sure with both. Uh, and I think Simon was the other one. So I'll make sure we honor all three of those. Um, Stave Light, yes. Uh, Archie, we'll send you later on today an email to all of you later on tonight with the replay link. It will be the same link you used to get onto this, but I'll make sure we send it out again. Mention it out because that was a question in the poll. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, it was just a question because it's the DAO everybody's familiar with, but I believe it'll probably be higher than it is at the moment. Um, but as I say, watch tonight my, I'll do on Telegram and YouTube and TikTok an update, uh, the public update. So you guys get the public one. Those who are already on the program will get the private, longer, detailed update on, which includes more stocks and things such as that. So thank you. And as I said, any questions anytime, whether it's on the webinar or after the webinar, look, don't worry, just send them to us. Uh, we don't mind um, getting them, uh, you know, whenever. Um, and I should say, by the way, for those who've had a problem, if anybody's had a problem getting on, um, the code, if, if you can't put the code in for any reason, this code, just go directly to this site because the code's already embedded in. Go to shares to the backup site, alpishpatol.com forward slash shares to, because the code is already hard coded embedded in. And if you look at it there, you will see it's already embedded in. And it's, uh, you can bear in the thoughts, there is no ongoing charges. So like when we started doing the further filtered list each month, that was free included for everybody. When we started doing the AI stuff, uh, which is added each month on the approved filtered list that was included without any extra cost. There's never any extra cost. And hopefully with most of you, I'll get to meet you. Certainly if you're in London, um, I'll get to meet you in any events. So you can see the discount list. So this is embedded in. If you go to arpstroll.com forward slash shares too, it's already embedded in. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to just answer Ramos's question there? Oh yeah. Sorry. How does Git pre compared to cheap Vanguard tracker funds? Would it still outperform? Yeah. We're, if we couldn't outperform, a index tracker, then we just say, hey, you know, you should all have an index tracker. The thing with an index tracker, and this is why we have alpha on here. Alpha means outperformance of the index tracker. Okay, so the two ways, where's it gone? Here it is. The two ways to ensure we're outperforming index trackers is first of all, to ensure we've got stocks with high alpha, which is outperformance of the market, not just based on the fact that they're more volatile, the market. So alpha is this, just to explain. Imagine an index goes up, uh, 10% and the, or it goes down 10%. High beta would be you went up 20% when it went up 10 and you went down 20% when it went down 10. That's just beta. You're just mimicking it. It's pretty useless. It's just leverage. Okay. Effectively through volatility. Alpha is where you've got upside when it goes up, you've got more. And when it falls, you don't fall as much. So we want to make sure we've got the kind of stocks which have got higher alpha. That means you're outperforming an index. Because if the index rises, you should do more. If it falls, you should not fall as far. So that's alpha. That's why it's important. The other way we ensure we outperform is through the Sortino. For the return you're getting, you should not have the downside risk. So we want high Sortino, high alpha. And that's the statistical thing. Because if you actually think about it, companies are... Stock prices, okay, their accounts feed into their stock price and their stock price tells you two things which are really important, alpha and Sortino. Average return versus the downside risk of missing that return and a high alpha. Now, those two things are, in a way, we're cheating. We're cheating because look at what I've just said to you. I don't know what XYZ company does. Let's take Adobe. Assume I didn't know what Adobe does. By the way, I own some Adobe 
Um, and by the way, if I own Adobe when it was all green and it falls slightly out of the green in two months, because we don't trade our investments, it's all holding it for 12 months and it's been doing rather well. Thank you very much. Okay. In fact, it's up 40% over the last six months alone. Thank you. So let's take an Adobe. I've cheated. Let's say I don't know that Adobe's latest innovation is in AI, which it is. Uh, and I didn't know that. That's not why I've bought it. I bought it because it was generating me bloody alpha. And when I bought it, the Sultina was great as well. So I've sort of reverse engineered what I want, my outcome, outperformance. And then I've gone backwards and said, oh, the name's Adobe and they're doing AI. Oh, who cares? I've reverse engineered it. And that's actually not just me. It's, I mean, Warren Buffett bought a Chinese bank, I think it was. And they said, why did you not fly over and speak to the directors and meet the people? And he said, well, why do I want to meet them? They're only going to tell me they're amazing. He said, I'm not bothered with their narrative. I want to see the numbers. And I want to make sure the margin of error is so massive that even if I'm wrong a little bit, it doesn't matter because it was like such a screaming buy. And to be honest, it's a similar process. It's not because of him. It's because of what the other Nobel Prize winners did. I mean, he should have a Nobel Prize, should Warren Buffett. But it's actually, and he does it as well. And then you look back, you think, well, of course he does. He's stupidly rich. So it must be that they're doing similar things to what makes sense. So hopefully that all made sense. Um, the video on two times ETF. Uh, I'll do a new one, Nudnik. It's on... Um, it's on the program and it's been a while. I was looking at updating that. So I'll probably do a new one and I'll post it on. If you're following me through alpishpatel.com forward slash links, uh, I'll see if I can set a sticky message so everybody knows it. I'll make sure on my social media, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'll get time tonight to do it and I'm traveling next week, but I will make sure I do a new one on there, um, on that and on leverage as well. And anytime anybody wants me to do anything, um then uh uh then that's fine okay uh so anyway um simon dear said happy to sign up per month but web page is ambiguous appears to require discounted one-off payment i've uh, just emailed him oh, okay fine um yeah it's i don't know what that means um basically you get the discount for every installment not just the first one so sorry if the web pages i've never heard anybody say it's ambiguous but obviously it must be because you've said it uh so yeah um let me know and we'll make sure that that ambiguity is uh total pro yeah so i'll make sure that ambiguity is removed yeah there's two tabs there the one off payment tab and the other one next to it is the installment tab so maybe you're 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 there or yeah just click over. yeah we'll double check that and make sure you, you absolutely will clarify any um uh anything in the email to make sure that it's not um uh ambiguous I, th- I think i see what you mean that that's what it says 17 monthly payments is that discount apply to everyone yes it is i'll make sure that that's clear on the website as well but it absolutely is uh it's not just the first month that's discounted because i think two of you have alluded to that so there must be uh maybe the yeah we've not had that question before and it's a good question no the discount is applied to every single installment okay the 40 percent discount absolutely and we can put that in writing to you anyway on email or everything else uh yes exactly neil no you're absolutely right that that is and and you're right simon as well it is uh ambiguous i don't know why it's gone to say that i think it's just the way um the processor works that they've not mentioned that actually the discount um is applied because what they've done is future payments that but of course the discount is applied to every single future payment and it should be clearer on that um and i'll make sure that 
Perth, remind me, will you? Yeah. I'll make sure that I tell the IT guys to sort that out tonight because you're right. Uh, and I'd never noticed that, and nobody's ever mentioned it. Well, yeah, if you're paying 833 now, then the future payments are an additional 17 future payments. So that's probably why it's... Yeah, it's and it's not mentioned that the discount applies to every single one. So they're absolutely right. It is ambiguous, actually. I mean, I'd be making sure I'm ironclad certain before I bought anything online. So fair question to both of you. We'll make sure in emails that's absolutely clear, and we'll double-check all that. Interested in any cybersecurity stocks that your filters list going forward? Absolutely, Chris. Well. Um, as you know, I do bottom up, not top down. So I tend to pick based on uh, the the individual stocks rather than what they come in. Um, but yeah, Palantir was obviously cybersecurity. But I'll I'll see if I can do that. Americans don't pay VAT, Wendy. So if you're out, basically nobody, everybody outside the UK does not pay VAT. Only British people are punished by VAT. Uh, so if you're resident in the UK, and and what this should do is it'll pick up, it'll geolocate where you are. Uh, so Thrivecart is who we use and you can use PayPal as well. It'll geolocate where you are and, uh, it will only add VAT if you are inside the United Kingdom geographically. If that doesn't appear, apply to you because at the moment you are in the UK, but normally you're resident outside, you're just passing through, then please let us know. We'll make sure that the accountant send you an invoice which excludes VAT. But you'll need to supply the overseas address, of course, uh, because the accountants will need it. And HMRC would want us to make sure we've got it on file, just so you know. OK, thank you. Um, who else? Yeah. So glad we got to clarify that. Thanks, Neil uh, and Simon, both of you for clarifying that. Uh, and apologies that it wasn't clear the way it should be. And we'll uh, we'll make changes to that. Um, if there's no other questions, I will now go. And uh, we'll take it from there um, and continue asking the questions afterwards because we will pick these up later on. Anything that we've missed and we'll just email you directly and have a conversation with you. So don't worry about that. We love this stuff. I mean, I do it off my TikToks even or YouTube videos. People ask me questions and I answer them uh, just because I love the markets and love doing all of this. So thank you all. Parish, any closing comments about? No, it's the first one I've been with you all. And it's been a delight. And, yeah, look forward to uh, seeing you all again. Perfect. Um, Graham, just saw your message. Yes is the answer. Please email Parash yes. on that. Okay. Thank you all very much. I'm going to close shop now, as it were. Um, he says valiantly with all the windows open. I can't remember which one it is. So thank you all very much. See you, everyone. Bye.